I'm Denise. I'm the Scottish one. And she's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise, the English one. And she's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Editing Podcast. So this week we are delighted to welcome our guest, our friend and fellow editor, Lisa Poisseau. Yes, hello to Lisa. Now, we wanted to get Lisa on because she offers a particular type of editorial support that neither of us do, and Mm. specifically for novel writers. Yep. So, Lisa, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everyone where you live, the services you offer, and how that fits into the editorial journey. Thank you so much for having me on this show, both of you. (laughs) I'm I'm really excited to be here and chat with you two. I have been a teacher of various flavors for all my life, starting back when I was a teenager as a ballet dancer, believe it or not. I cut my teacher's teeth. Yeah, back in the dance studio uh, with both kids and adults. Um, But then I was teaching again later when I stopped dancing and got a degree in journalism. Some of my professors asked me to tutor other students. And I was helping journalism students brush up on their grammar to pass their J school entrance exams. I was even grading papers for first year Russian class at one point. So wow. it's Do something. Know, Go ahead. You know, you know what, Lisa, I was, it's, it's interesting because when I see you write, I think that your journalism background really shows your copy is always really tight. Mm. I love I love your writing style. I think that that really comes across. Well, thank you. I think it's the copy editor background, too, that really comes in there. But yeah, this whole teaching and helping thing has sort of chased me down all my life. So uh, after I graduated with a journalism degree, I started working at magazines, both on staff, and then I did some freelancing, uh, especially in the early children years. Uh, I spent some time in the corporate healthcare world doing marketing and public relations and internal and external communications, which is really a million newsletters for different audiences. Great fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, would want to do it again, but great fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, just a little over five years ago now, I offered to copy edit a friend's book, uh, an upcoming self-published novel, and it was a, a really fine book. But I really wanted to see it shine. And I knew based on the last thing that she had published that she wasn't getting it professionally edited and it just needed a little more spit and polish. Mm -hmm. So I did that. That went well. That led to another job for another friend. And pretty soon I was figuring out, oh, there's this thing called Chicago Manual of Style (laughs) and all these other standards that aren't associated press style and, oh, British English and all these other things. Uh, So I was learning the ropes of fiction copy editing. Mm -hmm. And soon enough, I found myself turning work away because the stories just were not ready for editing. Um, these, these authors needed story editing, right? Yeah. So that's when I started intensely studying the craft of storytelling, um, professional level courses, um, organizational courses and shelves and shelves of books that I've studied and read on story theory and structure and screenwriting and narrative techniques, all these things. And that's when I began to 
piece together that this common practice of beginning a story editing by just leaping into a developmental edit, which is a huge, huge prospect. Yeah. Um, mm. It just wasn't really serving new authors as well as I think most people expected it was. Mm. So that that's a really good um, thing to to drill in a bit deeper Lisa so let's start with those foundations because you're you're all about making sure that new authors make good decisions about developing craft and investing wisely that's exactly. your thing isn't it it is I, I want them to get all of that under their belts before we begin I, I really hate to spend well it, it's selfishly motivated too I don't want to spend my time editing things that just aren't ready for prime yeah. time yet. Mm. But also I, I don't want clients to pay and spend their hard earned money and their time and pin their hopes on something that they're really just stabbing in the dark still. Yep. So that's when I went back and started piecing together what's become my plot accelerator, where I'm showing them what those foundations for creating a good story are, and then helping them match those pieces to their own stories that's, that's really <coughs> sorry um no, go ahead Louise. i should say that's really interesting because that's um you know we often see that as copy editors it's not ready for a copy editor or as a proofreader it really needs to be edited pre-edited before that but actually i always tend to think you know developmentalist where it all starts but obviously mm -hmm. you're seeing people that aren't even ready for that and need need work done so what are your sort of strategies for skirting around that that um desire or feeling that somebody has a need to jump straight in to that what can be a very expensive developmental edit stage so how, how do you get around that well we do we start with the very first thing uh concept the actual mm -hmm. concept of their story and where I where I have the most fun and where we usually connect on a personal level uh, for the first time is when we're talking about genre, because most authors have never really thought about who they're writing for. Mm. Uh, they have vague ideas that they want to be like some author that they've read in their past, usually in their college days, it's been decades, um, and it, it may not have any relation to the kind of story that they're wanting to tell right now. So there's right. this huge mismatch that we have to work through. Um, they, they work with some really unusual <laughs> misperceptions, misconceptions about point of view and narrative tense. So we, we get through all that. Um, I, I've, what I do is I send them a PDF with lots and lots of links. Louise, I'm sure you're in there at least 483 <laughs> times. I'm sure of it. Um, That's my girl. I send them off to read all these wonderful resources around the web. Uh, try not to recommend too many books. That's more of an additional reading thing. I want them to be able to click, go somewhere, see, oh, somebody else who knows what they're talking about besides this lady is saying to do this. And then yeah. they come back and they put it with everything else that I'm giving them. And, and then we talk about their book. And the thing, thing about that, just to butt in, sorry, um, yeah. is that what's so I, it's something interesting you mentioned that you're you're sending them to very specific targeted articles because that there are all these writing books available, but but some of them are written in a way and in a style 
mm-hmm. that actually make the craft of story, story craft and line craft even, a bit impenetrable for for uh, a new author. And 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 often it is sort of more article based things that are a little bit more accessible. So I think that that's a really interesting approach that you're taking and a, and a wise one because it, it, it's giving them accessible ways to access this stuff about character motivation or conflict and 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 but that's validating what you're coaching them it is accessible louise and what i've found i have multiple authors now who have graduate level writing degrees who have come to me and i i convinced them please just bear with me, grit your teeth. I know you have more education formally than I do in this process, but please just try this with me. One or two units in and they're already sold. Oh, I've never thought about that this way. Uh, Oh, uh, I never considered this. Oh, I see how you're doing that. And it's like, okay nobody's ever really broken it down this simply uh, before yeah it's like getting people to take a several steps back isn't it and and, and to yeah. look different in, in a different way at things and and drill down like louise You're, was saying into bite-sized things yeah so mm-hmm. you mentioned genre and viewpoint and tense um mm-hmm. what else what else then is we, that process then we dig into character motivation and conflict. Uh, I want to know what their character wants and why. Mm-hmm. And then we look, obviously, at what's opposing that antagonist or the antagonistic forces. And that leads very organically into plotting. I'm pretty strong about I want them to come away knowing what the major turning points of their story are. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they don't want to outline their story we won't do that i don't care about a full outline but i do care that they know where their story is going and what the major turning points are along the way it's interesting Uh, though that you don't that 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 you you talked about like things like genre and viewpoint and tense and character motivation before plotting and that's interesting because it is that sense that you're taking people back to the basics and getting them to think about these sort of like major sort of foundational things that that before that you you dig into kind of like the development of that of that story Have, have I got that right you do it it took a while for me to come to this order um some of it is that building one thing on top of another some of it is also uh just the the best way that I can connect with people yep. and mm-hmm. get that personal click going and get their trust before mm-hmm. we get into some of the more difficult stuff. Um, concept is difficult because I'm asking them to boil what has taken most of them over 100,000 words on a first <laughs> novel mm-hmm. to try to say. And I've asked them to say it in one very formulaic sentence uh, for a, a premise statement. Yeah. And that gets people pretty iry and tense if that doesn't come <laughs> naturally. It does. Yeah. I'm not so... surprised. <laughs> That's like, like most people get nervous about, you know, um, that my, my husband always talks about these things he has to do for the company he works for this um. Oh, what's it called? Soap. Uh, something on a page. Summary on a page. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's a page. You're talking about one line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So we do have to do that early in the process. Hmm. But I, I put that in the same unit as when we talk about genre as well. 
and they get to see right up front. Well, I ask them to name titles that they've read recently in their genre. And I also ask them for three comps. Um, so most of them come up blank on those or they run to Amazon and scurry over and pluck three things out. And it's clear they have no idea what those stories are. So, um, they, then they have to admit, yeah, you're right. I haven't <laughs> read a lot recently. Have I? <laughs> and you break the ice there and it's, mm -hmm. it's very easy to say, that's okay. You've, you've written a lot. You haven't read a lot so that's mm -hmm. just something that you need to fix and here are some ways to find books and here are some ways to choose the good ones but don't forget to read the bad ones too so you know what's not working and it, it gets a it ends up being a very friendly part of the process that's a little less personal and helps ease them into the more difficult things like wait why did your character do that what's their motivation here yeah. Mm. And uh, Lisa, how does the, I mean, you've talked about um, units and, and things. How does the process actually work? It, is it a course or is it coaching that's tailored to the individual? Or do you have a specific process or is it similar to an edit ultimately? Or is it something else completely? I'm really intrigued by this. I think it's a, it's a, a coached course. Right. Maybe. I don't mm -hmm. know what to call it. Um, <laughs> really, I don't, because it's a, uh, the, the core of it is not really even the core. I start out by sending them a PDF mm -hmm. with short explanations and usually quite a few bullet lists of uh, various blogs and articles and things to look up that they can, again, just click, 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 get mm -hmm. to quickly, digest and move forward. When they're done with that, I send them a worksheet that also covers that topic, say one unit covers point of view and narrative tense. So everything on that worksheet will ask them how they are using point of view and narrative tense in their story. Mm -hmm. Then they send that to me. I make my comments and observations and questions and send it back to them. And we go back and forth on that up to three times for that subject area. Right. Right. So it is, um, it is quite an, it, that sounds like quite an intense one-to-one yeah, -one process, really. That, that modular style mm -hmm. where you're really drilling deep into those core concepts. It is. It's coaching. Um, I've thought many times about converting this to a course. Everyone, of course, says, do this as a course. You must offer this as a course. I can't figure out how to do that because mm. I do surveys uh, for every client and across the board, they tell me the most valuable parts of the whole process are both the opportunity to articulate uh, their own analysis of their own story, but also equally important is my feedback and my yeah. observations mm -hmm. and my pushing, pushing, pushing yeah. on little details. So without that angle, I don't know that it would work. I mean, there are there's a time and a place for a course, but there are definitely writers who who really benefit from that sort of much more intensive level of of um, 
hand-holding and 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 ultimately that's that's where this is 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 different to um it, it's the lisa element isn't it it's 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 it that is. it's that it's that connection between you and that person so that you can absolutely tailor every single bit of bit of feedback you do so that it's 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 fits with them whereas if it were a course it, it would have to be more generic and it is. you might yeah. miss certain things that certain authors need and and on the fit level too uh what i'm finding recently is that i'm not really offering sample edits anymore because we're going through this process first and this is where we get a sense of are we a good fit do we yeah. work well together yeah. And it's it's pretty good because it's cost effective for them. It's not too long of a commitment. And even if we get on like cats and dogs, they walk away with valuable tools. Yeah, right. They know how yeah. to analyze their story. And even if they disagree with what I said 100%, they still have the tools yeah. and the resources. Yeah. So... I think that's, it's a win-win. Yeah, that's really interesting, Lisa, because I, b before you just said what you did there, I I was thinking about, gosh, it's such a, um, a an intensely personal relationship that you have with them, really, because you're really working very closely with them. I was thinking, gosh, I wonder how you screen people to make sure they're a good fit with you to work. But actually, you it sounds to me like you don't screen them at all. And it doesn't matter if you're not a particularly good fit, they'll still learn from it. Is that, have I got that right? I'm pretty darn close. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. I've only had a handful or maybe not even a handful of what I would consider failures mm -hmm. on this process. Um, one lady who just could not handle the thought of this much analysis at all. She just wasn't yeah. ready to approach it that way. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of other authors who just couldn't put all the pieces together of why their motivation needed to be this way. They, they just couldn't see how the pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, do you think in that case, sorry, sorry. Do you think in that case, if they can't see that, do you think they can still go on to have a successful novel or successful piece of writing without being able to fit those pieces together? I think it will be pretty much luck at mm. that point mm -hmm. um, because when when they're really misfiring, when they really can't see why it's important to have these turning points or, or things like that that we talk about, then they're they're missing they're missing understanding what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so. Can you write a story instinctually? Yes, you can. You can do it and your innate knowledge of how to tell a story. Children have that knowledge. They do. Mm -hmm. they, they know how to come up and, and tell you what happened when so-and-so did something at school today. And it, sound, it comes out like a story. Yeah. Uh, so anybody can do that. But should you? Should you bet <laughs> all your time and money on that? I, that's yeah. another question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lisa, are there any um, problems that, well, what are the most common problems? Do, do you see any sort of patterns with the, the authors you work with in terms of the things they're, they're most likely to struggle with? I do. Uh, like I said before, um, reading 
and understanding their genre is such a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. So many people are trying to write books without reading books. It yeah. makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. So that that's something that we can connect on right off the bat. Um, point of view and narrative tense are often issues right off the bat. A lot of people think, I want this to be very experiential and intimate. So I'm going to use first person. Mm. So we have to go back and explain that no, first person is is actually it holds readers at a certain distance. It's a close distance, but it's a certain distance. Um, they don't know about deep third. They yeah. don't know about free and direct discourse, and that's that topic that I send so many authors to Louise to mm. read about. <laughs> it's, um, it's, in- yeah. it's interesting though because it, it, I see this at line level, level a lot. I see people who've um, a, lot, a lot of the authors I work with are, have, have nailed their their story craft, but but they still. Well, I, I say that mo- most of their story craft, but I do think that viewpoint is one of those things that can mm-hmm. um, slip into the line editors. Um, practice as well and and sometimes they can have, 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 have you know great great story great plot great great character development um master the 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 tense but but still lots and lots of viewpoint drops and um and it spoils it it, it mars what would be wonderful storytelling and it and, and and until you point it out to people if they don't understand those that those those fundamentals of of narrative viewpoint um that novel is never going to be as good as it could be, right? And, and and sometimes that can be fixed if they're if they're dotted around. But if the if the whole, um, it's a lot of work to do at line level if the authors yes. completely fail to understand what's going <laughs> yeah. on. And I would much rather that an author had mastered that with someone like you before they worked with someone like me. Yeah, mm-hmm. we might not even be able to, well, I sh- I say might not, we won't be able to master that or even really get into it in the plot accelerator. But we can identify, certainly, if they've mm-hmm. chosen uh, not an inoptimal yeah. point of view. Mm-hmm. So same same with narrative tense. Um, if, if it's just not a fit for the audience they're trying to reach or the story they're trying to tell, we can identify that. Usually I'll ask them to give me a short sample, and I do mean short, like three to five hundred words. And mm-hmm. I, if if I feel that it's in the wrong tense, I'll show them, look what this would look like if you wrote it like this. Mm-hmm. That usually not only convinces them, but then they're excited to move forward into mm-hmm. editing and learn how to do that. So, is Lisa, is that how you tend to get your authors to go about fixing these issues, is to actually show them how it would look written differently, whether it's a viewpoint or tense or whatever? You'll actually perhaps do a small section of it to show them or do you tend to just say you need to go and read more about this particular thing and then rewrite point of view and narrative tense are really the only two uh techniques like that that we cover Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. plot accelerator process everything else is uh you know global plot issues and things that you can't boil down like that yeah yeah so i do look at that tiny little sample just to help them identify what are you doing now what could you be doing 
and let them look and make yes. a distinction and a choice for themselves. That's uh, my whole goal for this process is to give them enough information that they can make the choice, an informed choice for themselves. So it's really a lot of it is about empowering them to make better choices in their in their writing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. And and when you've um, so are, are people coming to you with full stories that they've written, or um, because then the question becomes, they've written a hundred thousand words, yeah. or whatever, and then they they realise that there's different. You know, are, are we talking about possible? complete rewriting here or do you also have authors who come to you with maybe you know they're, they're at the start they've they they want they want to produce a hundred thousand words but maybe they've they've done three chapters and and they've thought no I'm going to get guidance now what, what are you seeing we do all of that Louise I have right. authors who use it before they write I have a lot of authors particularly new authors who get started writing and then realize uh oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and they come to me at that point. But I also have a lot of authors who have written their first manuscript and they're ready for editing. And I say, well, this is my first step. Okay. And most, mm -hmm. they're like, okay, well, sure, lay it on me. Let me see your first step. Yeah. And away we go. Yeah. So it, it does work at all three stages. It's a little tough sometimes to do it uh, before you write, if you have no idea where your story is headed yet. But uh, again, we can work both ways. I have a guy who's working through one now who really doesn't know much about his story yet. Louise, I thought, think of you often. It's a thriller. And he's like, <laughs> well, I know he knows much about the character's motivations and the emotional arc of the book, but he doesn't know a lot about who the murderer is or why he killed whoever he kills. And that's okay. Strangely Just, that's enough. So interesting because yeah. I think a lot of authors come unstuck and I've done this before myself. I mean, I've written short fiction, but a little bit of short fiction, but I have thought like, Oh, you know, I, if I was going to do the novel, I have to come up with the big idea. Actually, that's that. You, what you're saying is that you could actually start from the point of view of creating characters first and developing those arcs. And then see where that takes you in terms of the the sort of you know yeah the, the stuff that happens you know that's just yeah. a, that's an interesting way to write them and and perhaps more empowering and exciting for someone who's who's not immediately thinking oh there's no point in doing this yet because there's no put, put putting the words on the page because I haven't worked out um I haven't worked out you know how to how to wrap it all up or or, or, mm -hmm. or where those big plot turns are going to be actually mm -hmm. you could start the process by writing character he knows where he's headed with the character he yeah. just doesn't know who's going to kill who along the way <laughs> yeah. but that can come later and also if you gain that confidence and skills through the work that you've done on that that arc then um that might in itself inspire you to and, and give you confidence which is and lovely now exactly because now he knows at what point in the story do the deaths and the revelations need to happen so he understands. Mm. So, Lisa, would this process, do you think, would it best be considered part of the writing process then? Or do you still see it as part of the editing process? Oh, I think it's both. 
Right. Uh, and, and it's very much part of the spectrum. And I want them to see, uh, you know, the whole plotting versus pantsing concept. Mm-hmm. I want them to realize that that's a spectrum, too. Right. So I want them to go into this realizing that these are like the seeds that are going to grow their story or the foundation that they're going to build on, but also that the very rudimentary outline that they'll walk away with is going to be something that can help them whether they want to go on and plot out scene by scene or mm-hmm. whether they want to sit down and pants it from there and just see what develops within what we've worked out. That's great. Either way, it's definitely a spectrum. And mm-hmm. because we can use this process before they've written or if they've written and then they're stuck or after they've written and before they start revising, again, it's in the spectrum of mm. between writing and editing. It's all. It's mm-hmm. faith flexible and fluid yeah. then yeah yeah and um so you you offer this plot accelerator thing um but there's something else you offer authors as well isn't there yeah and it's actually more of what i don't offer anymore i think louise <laughs> okay. um, I've, I've recently just taken developmental editing off my standard menu as something that i offer routinely. Um, And I'm doing what I'm calling a developmental assessment. It's like a critique that you hear everybody offers the critique service, but Mm -hmm. it's it's like a critique on steroids. It's a much longer, (laughs) comprehensive teaching style editorial report. My reports are generally around 30 pages. Um, I usually say over 20 because I'm trying not to scare anyone away. (laughs) They're, They're usually about 30 pages, lots of teaching, lots of examples. Uh, I include a book map um, and I spend a lot of time analyzing their manuscripts. Can we just stop you there? Tell us what a book map is. A book map is a spreadsheet. The ones that I do usually focus down all the way to the scene level and I'm looking for things like scene goals, complications. Um, I'm looking to make sure that something actually happens in the scene and they're not just thinking and processing. Um, A whole little series of checklists for each scene that helps authors see, even for people who really hate spreadsheets, and I admit that I am one of them. (laughs) Uh, But when you see it stretched out across your screen and you see bam, 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 all these scenes where nothing really happened. Mm, You can't uh. help but face it. You can't help but face that your character is wandering around from coffee shop to coffee shop, drinking (laughs) and thinking. Drinking and thinking. thinking. That's all right for real life. But yeah, it's boring in a book, isn't it? It really is. Yes, indeed. I would like them to do less drinking and thinking so I can finish the edit and go off and do my own drinking and thinking. And And the thing about that is as well, that if if someone is is, is uh, tends towards being a pantser, I guess, that, that, that offers them a really helpful way to sort of think in terms of like it's sort of like a spreadsheet outline almost isn't it because or, or or where it where it needs to be trimmed because you've got the sort of book in a nutshell well and they don't have to do it either that part is is absolutely optional i send it back to them and i do the first handful of scenes for mm-hmm. them so they mm-hmm. can see the level 
of precision that I'm asking from them. And then they can mimic it if they want to. I do their turning points for them. And then I say, here's the rest. Go forth and either work it out or don't work it out as you please. And it's theirs to do with as they like. That's to me that I just visualize that as a, a sort of bird's eye view of the story and that you, so you, you can look down on it and you can see where things are happening and where things aren't happening. To me, that sounds, that, that sounds almost non-ficky to me that I can see where I would want to move oh. things around or take things out much more easily from a spreadsheet. That's my non-fiction side coming in definitely yeah, oh, I love a yeah. spreadsheet too. I, yeah I, I know I you love do, a yeah. spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah I really love those little columns where you can mark off if you achieved certain goals with each scene because then yeah. you can look and you can just see is there an x there or not yeah rather yeah. than be fa- being faced by a wall of text in you know 500 yeah. pages of a word yeah. document or whatever. yeah um, yeah, yeah. It's diff- it sort of helps you to step back so Sorry, so that was the book map. Sorry, there was something else that you were talking about that you included as well there, Lisa, wasn't there? Really, the heart of the developmental assessment is the editorial report and -hmm. the book map. I no longer am doing manuscript editing at that Mm -hmm. stage because Mm -hmm. it's it's not there yet. I want to take care of the story in the plot accelerator and then see if they got it in this assessment right if they don't we'll fix that and we'll we'll describe it in the report and Mm -hmm. if we need to do a little bit of coaching one-on-one afterwards we'll fix it there but there's really no sense in diving onto the manuscript until the story is solid yeah yeah so you sorry carry on and here is also a great opportunity to knock out some of the major issues with narrative technique. You know, like uh, the author who doesn't understand how to use dialogue tags and action beats, for example. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go through a whole manuscript marking all of those. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's hours and hours and hours, and it's a cost that nobody wants to bear. So okay. if you can knock that out in a, a previous level, do that and then it it just makes everything easier for everyone yeah yeah so you do uh this super critique this critique on steroids for your authors uh what happens after that stage then then we're ready to glide into manuscript editing Mm -hmm. i I don't even like to label those anymore and call Mm -hmm. them this is line editing or this is substantive editing or this is copy editing. I don't even like to go there anymore. Um, I like to edit what needs to be edited. I learned that from my edit buddy, Beth Hill. Right. Uh, I always asked her, Beth, how do you do it? And she was like, well, I just edit. I edit all of the Mm -hmm. things. I can't quite wrap my head around that, but I appreciate the philosophy of it. Mm -hmm. And, By the time that we've worked out the story issues and the major narrative technique issues, I think we're ready to just edit everything that's there. And if there's too much for one go, we'll triage. And and I'll do maybe the first quarter or third of the book and decide, oh, I need to back off a little bit and step back and hit just these issues. And we'll do that, send it back, and then we need another round. But that's all understood up front. So it becomes a whole much, uh, it's a more relaxed process. So are Mm. you, are you still coaching at at that point? Or is it, is it 
you know, right, you leave it with me, I do this, send it back, or or, or is there still this kind of interplay between you and the author whereby you're, um, you know, they're getting that that kind of more... Yeah, yeah, I think teaching it's... Teaching style of thing. Yeah, I think it's up to the individual client. I let them set the tone. Some of okay. them are very comfortable taking it and running with it. And others like to check in more and say, is this what you meant? Or wait, 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 I did this yeah. and then I'm in a mess. Help me out. Yeah. Uh, but but mostly I think uh, once you go through the edit and then I try to encourage a follow-up call uh, pretty heavily now, I, I encourage that. And that seems to help to just, uh, I find that they ask less questions than I anticipate and it's more about they just want to hear me and and they want to restate what I've told them in their own words so it's yeah. like an assimilation moment mm. okay mm. yeah um one thing I was wondering was um I mean obviously we're going to put all your links in the show notes but um if if, if people are interested in working with you on a super critique or the plot accelerator first what what are we talking about in terms of um scheduling because um obviously it's these are quite uh well especially the plot accelerator it might be quite a a, a, a sort of longer term thing and it's not a kind of like yeah you're booked in for next week and and then it's all done um so how how much time to, ahead do people need to be thinking if they want to work with you or someone like you on this kind of thing they need to get on it they need to hop over and get in touch with me as soon as they think they know something. I'm generally able to begin a plot accelerator fairly soon. And by that, I mean anywhere from, sure, let's start Monday to, um, you know, a month or two at most. Mm -hmm. uh, because that that's a, that's a process of they send me an email and I may spend an hour and I send it back and they send me their reply and I may spend 20 minutes and send it back. So it, it's lots of little steps and I can right. generally fit that in. Um, but then it really, things really get tangled up when it comes to scheduling the assessments and the edits, yep. because I yeah. do have lots of, with this approach, there are many, many steps in it. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's much more incremental. So one client can take up a lot of space yeah. on, on yeah. a schedule. Yeah. I can see how that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, that is absolutely brilliant. I feel like I've learned a ton today. So I don't know, to, to my knowledge, I, I might be wrong, but I don't know of any other um, service that's quite like yours. I think that a lot of us are quite sort of a little bit more formulaic in terms of offering a developmental edit or a critique or a, a line and copy edit like Denise and I do or a mm. proofread. This this um, sort of, uh, you know, it feels like a sort of hybrid coaching, mm -hmm. um, writing, editing um, journey is is possibly unique to you and um, which is I, wonderful. But uh, it's it's also makes it very interesting. I think you might be right. Um, literally the week after I came up with the idea of the plot accelerator and wrote the very little baby rudimentary version of it, literally the next week, I discovered the existence of Larry Brooks. And he does something that I think is probably the closest to what I do, but very much without the teaching element. Of course, he okay. has all those wonderful books. Uh -huh. So there's his teaching element right now, or right there, rather. Um, 
his his services are very much uh, wham bam. Here's your your notes. Right. Very yeah. very uh, compact sort of feedback. Yeah. So. Well, that might suit of, some some clients better, mightn't it? You know that. Means... Yeah, I think so, especially for uh, people with more experience. Yeah, and I I do when I've worked with authors uh, multiple times, and they've they've gotten these basics under their belt. We compress the process for them. Um, we don't do the whole thing, but I do encourage them to do the the key parts um, because we, we always tend to turn up some surprises. Yeah. That you can, there's always something to learn, isn't there? Always, yeah. always, always. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much. Um, we'll make sure all the links, like I said, are in the show notes so the authors interested in, in your um, coaching and editing services know how to get hold of you. Um, but Denise, what's next? Well, can I just <laughs> say that this is, this is confirmed to me. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but I am definitely not a fiction editor. I am absolutely in awe of you, Lisa, and you, Louise, and all you other fiction editors out there. I know my lane and it's not fiction editing. Um, but I love listening. Everybody has a niche. Everybody has a yeah. niche. But I love, I adore listening to fiction editors talking about craft. I find it absolutely fascinating. Because you love so, reading fiction. That's true. That's true. I do love reading fiction and it's going to stay that way. Yeah. So my <laughs> editing bite this week is for those of you who have ever wanted to get away from it all to really knuckle down on your novel. It's the perfect bite for you. And it's a creative writing centre called Moniac Moor. It's set in the beautiful Scottish Highlands and they offer workshops and courses and tutored retreats catering to fiction, non-fiction poetry. And tutors include well-known authors such as Michael Faber. And of course, there's all of our beautiful Scottish scenery on your doorstep as well. So if you really want to get your teeth into some creative writing workshops, I would recommend Moniac Moor. You sure you're not just um, working for the Scottish Tourist Board? There? I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs> so my editing bite is a free course offered by Open University called Start Writing Fiction. And it's perfect and free <laughs> for yeah. the beginner because it uses plain English rather than bamboozling viewers with craft terminology that they might not yet be familiar with. And it's 12 hours worth of free learning. So what's not to like? lovely yeah so that's it for this week uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have um, thank you so much for listening to the editing podcast you can rate review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts Spotify or whichever platform you prefer and thank you once again to our lovely guest Lisa Lisa yes, it was thanks, a pleasure Lisa. to have thank you thank you so much <laughs> bye, bye. alright <laughs> Have you ever been so engrossed in a conversation that you forgot you were actually supposed to be a part of it? Well, that happened to me when we were recording this podcast. Have a listen. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I think it's your turn now, Denise. Is it? I'm, you know, I'm just looking. Oh, I'm looking oh, at the oh, yes, I am. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Do you, know, um, do you know, I'll tell you what happened there. I'm sitting listening to the two of you talking, and I will I will mention this properly when we actually go back to recording, but it just convinces me that I am just not a fiction editor. <laughs> just... <laughs> 
Denise, I, I thought the same thing when I began. <laughs> I literally only started doing fiction for the friend. And yeah. I literally only started doing story editing because I was getting so many copy edits that weren't ready. Right. So yeah. it, it's been, I, I don't want to sound like I don't like it because I do. I yeah. love what it I do like now. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do. But I was completely 100% reluctant both times. <laughs> The other, the other, I always think that with you, Denise, that you, you, you say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm non-fic. And yet I always think you, you have a good grasp when we're talking fiction about the, the sort of the, the central foundational stuff. And so it's fine that you don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't want enough competitor anyway. I think, to be honest, I've learned a lot of it just from listening to you and, and you know, and to, and to listen to the people that we have on the podcast. Um, yeah. And, and I, I know enough now to know that it's, it's not what I want to do. It's good. <laughs> nice know, stick... It's nice knowing what you want to do. Yeah. I'll just stick to reading fiction. Yeah. And, yeah. and working on my non-fic. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, I, don't, I don't think we got a y'all off, Lisa. I know. Y'all are taxing me on this, aren't y'all? <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Oh.